Yes, I am James Rowlands, and today it's the WNR 305. We will be reviewing NXT TakeOver 30, SummerSlam, W Payback, Raw, SmackDown, and of course NXT Super Tuesday. Now, I was meant to be joined by Graps of Rass, but unfortunately due to a family emergency, he's not been able to make it. Our thoughts and prayers are with you at this time, and we hope you can get on the podcast when everything is sorted. But let's begin, and I'll just on Friday... The 21st of August and Smackdown with Thunderdome. Now, there's a lot of things on Twitter. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter at the WNR Podcast. And we have a lot of chats about this. And I think my thoughts of Thunderdome is it definitely added something to it. You know, with the atmosphere with it was in NXT and with the kind of fans or the, the wrestlers in attendance doing this. Yes, it would point back to you to have real fans there. And to actually kind of bring an atmosphere and of course, the way the set and the entrances have worked. It is WrestleMania-like, and I think that's what was really, really impressive. Of course, with this, you're going to get a few um, idiots on it. And, of course, you know, with uh, references to Chris Benoit, the Ku Klux Klan, these things are going to kind of uh, slip through. But the thing is, this is why WWE is not kind of authority on that. They're asking the fans to take part. Let's try and not ruin a good thing, because now they're going to have to probably veto who they've got there uh, to come in. But... I think as a set, it looks really, really impressive. And I feel uh, I've enjoyed it so much as SmackDown. I felt it kind of would have had a little bit more to take over on the Saturday night. And speaking of takeover, uh, let's begin with that. And, of course, uh, predictions-wise, of course, I haven't got Dan to do the predictions. But today it's going to be James versus fans. Well, with takeover, uh, most definitely. And we're going to go through each match and see who got that, where it would be me or the fans. And, of course, speak about takeover in itself and go through the matches. So let's start with the NXT pre-show. And it featured the one of the matches now, of course, back in the day. The pre-shows never used to have a match, but now they do. And uh, this was quite an important one because it was a three-way match for the number one contendership for the NXT Tag Team Championships called Imperium. You had Woken Wild and Raul Mendoza representing La Garda del Fantasma against Bree Zango. And the duo of Danny Birch and Ali Lorcan, of course, they're our favourite tag team on here. And before we get on to the match, we talk about predictions. And in this one, prediction-wise, I did go Bree Zango because I thought having a, a face team win would kind of uh, work out well for everybody. But how did you see it all? Well, Bree Zango got 27% of the vote. The Garda del Fantasma, 35%. But the winners, Lorcan and Birch, 38%. And, I, you know, don't get me wrong, I would have been really happy if Lorcan and Birch would have won this match. I mean, the match lasted about 10 minutes, so we saw a lot of quick sequences without much time for rest or recovery between them. And after several close clo- close calls even, Tyler Breeze scored the win with his team with a supermodel kick. I think if the match had, had five or ten more minutes, I think they could have really given a chance for the six guys to shine. But there were a lot of talent in that ring. As a kickoff match, I really enjoyed it uh, because, of course, you have the Breezango winning, which I think is a feel good moment. And it shows that there's, you know, the starting to build a tag team division again. We've talked about this in NXT, the tag team division maybe not being the strongest. And I think we've seen it with Imperium at this moment in time. They're only doing that because NXT UK is uh, not around at this moment. But, of course, we got the announcement as well that NXT UK would start up again on uh, September 17th. So that should be a, a great thing. And, of course, on Twitter now as well, you know, looking back, it's great having hindsight. You can see um, NXT in the BT studio 
which you know where they held their boxing if anybody watches bt sport in the uk so i think that's really really clever of bt to kind of use their relationship and it wouldn't have happened if um they had sky they moved jeff sterling out and with a soccer saturday set but anyway i digress prediction wise on that i went one nil up against the fans because the fans said lorkin and birch and i said Brizango. our next match was finn balor versus timothy thatcher this was the first match of the main show with a clash of styles of the submission specialist Thatcher took on a striking expert, Balor. I've been really impressed with Timothy Thatcher since he's come into NXT. And I think you saw it in this matchup where he has got a completely different style to most wrestlers. And his look as well is something that sticks out. You know, with the, the gaping holes in his mouth, you can tell he's been in a few wars and we saw his introduction against Matt Riddle. This is why, I mean, it's not an excuse, but I think they should keep Thatcher quite strong and I thought with Balor at the moment I think they're just turning their wheels I'm not sure they know what to do with Finn Balor now I might be wrong but I just feel at this moment in time he's not done a lot since he came down as opposed to Thatcher with a victory over Riddle might propel him up the uh, main card a little bit because like I said WWE are desperate for heels and someone like Thatcher is completely different I enjoyed the match I thought the best bit of the match was when uh, Balor Landed hard on his left leg when he missed the coup de grace. And Thatcher, uh, his look on his face was like a kid at Christmas. Could he realise that the injury was there? And I thought that might have been the end of the match. But uh, after counting on several different holds, Balor put Thatcher away with a coup de grace, followed by the 19. So Balor wins. We should say predictions on that. I said Thatcher because, to be fair, I don't really go Balor much. And I think I should really start changing that. As for the poll... Thatcher got 41% and Balor was 59%. The Night Rocker says Balor is garbage and Sam McCabe blocked him. Bit of a surprise for me, but Balor going over. And I think especially what's happened since then kind of makes sense. So the scores are one all after our second matchup. Up next was the North American Championship ladder match. And oh my word, this was something else. And like I said, when you get the talent... Like this with the five men in there. Uh, it can give or take because sometimes you're looking like you're waiting for spots. This was not that at all. This was a hard-hitting affair. Now, prediction-wise on this, I picked out Bronson Reed, who got 16% of the vote. Cameron Grimes got 15%. Johnny Gagano, 20%. Damien Priest, the winner of the poll, 49%. Night Rocker said, I don't care. Like them all, going to be a great match. Simple Wrestling News and Opinions said Velveteen Dream. And Andrew Adamson basically said no to that. Uh, so the fans go 2-1 up. But this is a group collective. You know, this is like I said, over 8,000 followers on Twitter. This is everybody voting to go against me. So this is kind of different. We'll see what happens at SummerSlam. And of course, payback. But as for the match itself, let's go back for, for just one second. Everybody had a point in this match where they looked like they were going to win it. And uh, Candice Ray came down. And, you know, we talk about the very first ladder match or the first kind of you know the one that we remember wrestlemania 10 with Shawn michaels flying off the ladder onto razor ramon well that same spot happened at takeover but candace the ray was on the back which is even more impressive when uh, you think about it and reed like i said my pick was really impressive after he hit that slam like i said a really really enjoyable match and it looked like the dream had done the ladder towards the end but reed sent him flying off it Gagano almost had his hand on the belt, but Priest knocked him down and claimed the title. And I think when you look back on it, I think Damien Priest winning was probably the best choice. Up next, there's one match that I wasn't really excited for. 
Adam Cole versus Pat McAfee. I, of course, went Adam Cole in this. I'd be very surprised if... Um, yeah, Adam Cole got 85% of the vote. Pat McAfee with 15%. I suppose he's got a few fans out there. As for the match, I was pleasantly surprised, to be fair. I mean, this was never going to be a Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair. But I think Pat McAfee, he forgot about the, the leg uh, during the match when he was selling it, which is a little bit of a shame. Uh, but I think apart from that, the couple of bumps he took were where he splashed on the outside was absolutely brilliant. He came off the top turnbuckle right onto uh, his crew and, of course, the Undisputed Era. And uh, Cole is a star. And what shows he's such a great wrestler is the fact that he sold for Pat McAfee, when maybe not many people will have done. And I think that is a really impressive thing. I think at that point in time, a lot of people said it's my match, uh, their match of the night. I still think it's a ladder match that was good. But even the ending, I think, was quite surprised because... Uh, because the other thing as well was, was kind of McAfee was the hill in this. And Cole, of course, we know is a hill. And it was a, a little bit off with that. Cole locked McAfee in the figure four and he escapes and kicked Cole below the belt while the ref was distracted in the head for another near fall. Cole hit the Panama Sunrise and McAfee sold it beautifully to cap off one of the best celebrity matches we have seen in a WWE. And I mean, like I said... Pat McAfee, maybe his selling wasn't on, but his athleticism was some of the best that we have seen from a celebrity athlete in a wrestling match. Anybody who doubted his commitment was eating a slice of humble pie. And I think, you know, to be fair, I maybe wasn't that happy with it beforehand, but I think it definitely delivered. I mean, Pat McAfee said he wants a match with Triple H. Maybe that's not going to happen, but I still think really, really enjoyable. So another point as well. So it's 3-2 to the fans at this moment in time. Next match is uh, Io Shirai versus Dakota Kai for the NXT Women's Championship. And uh, went Io. And overall people went Io. 67% to 33. Paul DeSecra said, no way Io will drop the belt too soon. And I think you're right. It was too soon to change. But I think for the match itself, I think Dakota Kai needs credit because she has come on leaps and bounds since... um, her debut, everybody thought she was maybe a Bailey rip-off. The feud with Tegan Knox and the Hill Turn Association with Gonzalez has really, really helped her. Was she a legitimate threat to EO? Maybe not, but I think with a little bit more work, it can definitely happen. I think there's a, a good package there to build up. EO has had a fantastic 2020. I know it's been horrible for most people, but EO Shai has gone to the moon and back, so to speak. And sorry, um, Sorry, Cameron Grimes didn't mean that. But as in, she just keeps delivering quality performances. And this one was another great match between her and Kai. And Kai worked on Shai for a little bit, but she found her second win, making a comeback. The referee was knocked out and EO hit the moonsault. But there was no referee. And this gave Raquel Gonzalez a chance to interfere. The referee then recovered. He counted two before Shai kicked out. Uh, she took out Kai and Gonzalez with a moonsault before hitting Captain Coke with a second for the pin. And the win, and Ray Ripley came down and confronted Gonzalez in front of from attacking Shai after the match. The powerhouses stared at each other before Gonzalez left with Kai. And like I said, this was a great performance for both women. Maybe hurt a little bit that it came so close after Adam Cole and Pat McAfee, which I never thought I'd say. But again, I think they really, really delivered. So the fans go 4-3 up with just one match to go. And that is the NXT Championship and prediction-wise for this, I, of course, have gone for a new NXT champion, Killer Cross. 
And the pole, Keith Lee, 40%. Karrion Cross, 60%. As for the match itself, I don't think it was that great. I, I like it with two big men when it's move for move. And I don't think we saw that enough. There's a bit more kind of plodding about than there should have been, really. Well, Keith Lee, to his credit, like a fighting champion he is. Only won it a couple of months ago, beating Adam Cole at the Great American Bash. But Lee now... Double slap and a headbutt. Can Lee pick up Cross? Can he hit the spirit bomb? Gets it into the cover. One, two. No, Lee cannot believe it. Cross gets the shoulder up. It looks in pain, but looked like it was a little bit easy. And Cross in a bit of trouble. And Lee now, what's he got planned? And Lee now moving Cross over the corner, but that didn't help. Both men now fighting on top. And looking back at it now... You can definitely tell Karrion Cross is carrying some sort of injury. Going to end badly for one of these guys. Oh, wait a minute. Cross has got Lee off the top. Huge suplex into the cover. Two, three. Oh, my word. With a huge suplex. Top Karrion Cross has put Keith Lee down and become the new NXT champion. Scarlett Bordeaux cannot believe it. Karrion Cross came... Saw and conquered. He said he was going to become NXT champion. And he has here at TakeOver. Unbelievable stuff. Carry Cross celebrate with the NXT title. I mean, as for the TakeOver itself. Or sorry, say predictions first. For everybody shouts at me. Uh, fans got five. I ended up on four on there. So the fans beat me. And that's fine. That's fine. But let's see how you do an individual battle. Where you're not ganging up against me, eh? But anyway, as for TakeOver itself, it's a good card. Maybe the main event wasn't as good as it should have been. But, you know, again, what we maybe we expected a bit too much from TakeOver. Was TakeOver great? Yes, it was. The ladder match in itself was fantastic. The Adam Cole and McAfee match was pretty good. The Balor Thatch match had its moments in there as well. And Eo Kai was very entertaining. And the shocking result of Karrion Cross winning the NXT title as well. I think makes quite a big deal of it as well. Um, I would say if I was going to rate this pay-per-view, I would probably rate it eight and a half. I mean, it wasn't one of the greatest takeovers that I've ever seen. But again, really, really cool. The future looks bright for NXT when you look about all the stars coming through as well. So the match of the night was the North American ladder match. My score is eight and a half. And the man is none other than a new NXT champion, Karrion Cross. He celebrates with the gold held high above his head. So that was Saturday night. And we move over to uh, Sunday night. And it is SummerSlam. But before we do that, let's just check the poll. Because we asked you what you thought of TakeOver. Okay, we had 19%. Good was 25%. Great was 25%. Awesome, 31%. Vernie Cordero said, big event. Nikki Fan Forever said, awesome. Shitsy the Grim Dragon. Says, haven't watched it yet. Well, you should. Culture Shock thought it was fire. Hill Felix Xavier said it was trash. Anthony Bourne said none of the above. I said out of 10. He said naught. I guess he's an AEW fan. I'm not sure. But again, TakeOver was quite enjoyable. And then we left to the next day. And it was, of course, SummerSlam 2020. And it was a big filter this event before it even started. Because we had a lot of people saying... You'll never see it coming. I heard Vince Man say it when he introduced Thunderdome on Friday. 
but what was it? Would we see it? I mean, I'm not really sure. I thought it'd be something huge, maybe retribution. I mean, we got it, but we couldn't believe what it was. And we started off, what better way to kick off than with kickoff? And we had Apollo Crews versus MVP for the United States Championship. These two guys have been feuding for the last couple of months now. Uh, it's been quite interesting. Uh, but again, has it been the level that we really needed it as? I'm not really sure. Uh, MVP tried for the playmaker, but Cruz escaped and delivered a toss power bomb for the victory. And after the match, Sean Benjamin Bobby Lashley hit ring, but Cruz escaped a beatdown. I mean, this wasn't as good as the first match a few weeks back on Raw. Neither man really hit his groove. But again, not a bad way to start a SummerSlam off because Cruz is such a great athlete and he always gives it his all. That's all you can really ask for at this moment in time. We did do predictions for this as well. And, and at SummerSlam, we went up against Graps of Rass. So we got challenged on the predictions. But we also did a poll as well. So we're going to ask you what you thought. And Apollo Crews got 64% of the vote. And Graps went for MVP. And I went for Apollo Crews. So I started off 1-0 up. The same as the fan poll. And then we started the main show proper, and it was for the SmackDown Women's Championship. It was Bailey going against Oscar. Oscar was worked on a little bit by Bailey during the match, where Bailey drove Oscar's knee into the middle frame and set up to target the now injured joint. Oscar fought Brack with a code breaker. Bailey answered, catching opponent mid flight and applying a knee bar. The Empress made it to the ropes. Moments later, Bailey capitalised on a momentary distraction by Sasha Banks and rolled Oscar up. After the match, Banks immediately jumped Oscar and joined Bailey in slamming her to the mat, all in the name of gaining a competitive edge over the Empress ahead of a raw women's title defence later in the pay per view. Now, this was another strong entry in a long line of matches between Oscar and the Golden Roll models. And of course, Oscar and Bailey have great in ring chemistry dating all the way back to the days in NXT. And Banks, of course, being the hill that she is, trying to take advantage. Now, it's a bit of a shame because prediction-wise, Oscar would have a perfect night here. But unfortunately, she didn't. So, predictions after that. I went Oscar. So, I'm still on one. Graps of Rass went Bailey. So, it was one all heading into our next match, which is the Raw Tag Team Championship match. The Street Profits versus Andrade and Angel Garza. The Hills isolated forward with Garza targeting his knee with a drop kick and Andrade adding a rope-assisted armbar. Ford finally tagged Angelo Dawkins into the match and after a brief burst of offense for the big man, Montez found himself back in the match. He sent Garza into Zelina Vega which distracted Andrade and allowed the Street Profits to successfully defend their championship. Now, these guys have been feuding for a very long time and... Don't get me wrong, I like the Street Profits, but I just don't think Andrade and Gaza are the right kind of team for this. And it's only because I think if you're going to continue it, then you need to kind of switch tag team titles up. And you didn't do it in this Street Profits one. I think maybe it might be some shenanigans with the poisoning, but that kind of got forgotten about as well. Uh, Prediction-wise, Graps of Rass and uh, myself, we went for new tag team champions, so neither of us got a point there. And... To be fair, a slightly disappointing match. We talk about disappointing match. Hopefully, the next match wouldn't be because it was no DQ. Loser leaves WWE. And this has changed from a hair versus hair to a loser leaves WWE, and it's no real surprise because this has been the best feud, the best story of 2020. When you talk about the what happened at WrestleMania and all throughout the history between Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, it's been incredible. And I said on Twitter. 
this is the equivalent of the Gagano Chompa storyline told in WWE. And, you know, people might laugh at that. But when you think about the effort these women have put in, could the match live up to expectation? Maybe not. Well, after DeVille trash talk Rose, answer there with ferocity hammering away at DeVille and setting her up on a table. The pride fighter rolled off low and narrowly dodged a steel chair to the face. She followed with a pump kick to the face, laying the golden goddess out on the floor. Rose delivered a running knee and followed by a second and a third. The double underhook fake buster and a fourth knee to the face earned Rose a hard fought victory. Disbelief setting as DeVille through attachment ringside, slowing her own head into the competition table. Meanwhile, Otis hit the ring and celebrated with on screen love interest. Now, where has Otis been these past few, four, few weeks? I hear you say. I'm not really sure. Was the match a little bit disappointing? I don't think it was. I think it showed, you know, these two women didn't like each other, don't like each other. The whole point was they didn't like each other so much, you know, this town isn't big enough for the both of us. It's been used in wrestling for years. And I mean, the only problem is, is that it's a shame this story's not been really seen in front of fans here in 2020, much like Drew McIntyre's WWE Championship reign. But I think with DeVille taking some time off, it makes sense after the awful events that happened to her. As for Mandy Rose, let's not drop the ball on her now. She's definitely got something about her. Let's capitalise on it and not have her just turning heel on Otis down the line like WWE have done with the women's storylines throughout the year. Uh, Prediction-wise on that, uh, Graps Arras went Sonia DeVille and I, of course, went Mandy Rose to get the point up after four matches there. And Mandy Rose got 76% of the vote. And Night Rock said, Mandy, because Sonia's taking time off, you are too right when it comes to that. And up next, I mean, the weekend was all about people having their first matches on takeovers, about Pat McAfee having his first match against Adam Cole. And at SummerSlam, it was Dominic Stereo. Yes, after all those years of nearly being Eddie Guerrero's child in that ladder match at SummerSlam uh, for the custody of Dominic, he would now come back in and uh, he would make his debut. You know, we've seen him for a little while. Is this the right thing? I mean, look, you get in a position maybe because of your name, but I know sometimes you have to work even harder to get there. Uh, I was Dominic, and in fact, I liked his performance a lot more than uh, Pat McAfee's because I think the selling was on point. And I think, obviously, you don't want to be trying to replicate what your dad does or what Rey Mysterio does, but I think what he did and the outfit, so many times we've seen like Tyson Fury when he wrestled, it just doesn't look right. And I think his outfit was actually pretty cool, quite, you know, like, say, Lucha Libre and that kind of stuff. Rollins, again, like Adam Cole did with McAfee, did the majority of the work here. And Rollins, obviously, is not as he is, but again, this was still a great effort, and I still think Seth Rollins can, you know, is one of the better workers out there. If he's not on the top level of like a AJ Styles or Daniel Bryan, he's just that, you know, kind of level below. And he, what I'd liked about it is where we wore the outfit, uh, Ray Mysterio wore uh, kind of the same colours in Night Night Seven Halloween Havoc pay per view. This was a long match, but I think it paid off in the end because. Um, it was how tough Dominic was. He managed to hit a frog splash in O2 Guerrero, but only he couldn't keep Rollins down. Messiah McGrain control removed Dominic's shirt and continues his cane assault. Cane? Not that one. He produced a pair of handcuffs, but Angle Angie appeared. The distraction allowed Dominic to score a roll up for two. Two. Murphy jumped into the match and leveled the rookie with a knee to the face. Ray also got involved, saving his size, eyes from the hills. Or his son's eyes, even, but then he found himself handcuffed. Rollins T's confronting Mrs. Mysterio when an incensed Dominic attacked. He back body dropped Murphy and delivered a modified 619 that sent Rollins into the guardrail. 
Another six one nine left the Messiah stunned, but Fog Splash attempt ended with Dominic crashing into his rival's knees. The heel again taunted Ray, delivering a stomp to Dominic just feet from the future Hall of Fame. And Rollins took the win with a chorus of boos. And again, like I said, this was a young man with no professional experience to date, and Rollins made him look like an absolute star. Credit to Seth Rollins there. And Dominic Lowe, like I said, it was an awesome first in ring appearance. And in actual fact, people picked Dominic in the poll. They picked 64% to 36%. Dominic, as for ourselves and the Graps of Rass, we both went, no, I'm lying to you. Graps of Rass went Dominic Mysterio, and we went Seth Rollins. So we went 3 1 up with five matches gone. And then we had the Raw Women's Championship match Oscar versus Sasha Banks. Well, Oscar unloaded on Banks as the word Bailey looked on. Modified co-breaker for the boss earned her a two, while a follow-up fog splash missed the mark. Moments later, the challenger looked for the Oscar lock. Banks counted into a bank statement, but Oscar counted back. Bailey tried to interfere, but hit a hip attack. Oscar counted the bank statement again and earned a tap-out victory as a boss screamed for her friend's help. Now, the closing segments between, or sequence even, between the two women was, was brilliant. You know, I, I feel the Oscar lock and the bank statement are maybe two of the best admissions in WWE, male or female. Uh, I think the bank statement is, is, is a fantastic looking move and I think the Oscar lock is so dangerous as well, especially when they sell it as that. And I think that's what we had. I mean, Oscar getting the victory, getting the championship back, I think is the right thing to do. Banks and Oscar are probably my two favourite workers in WWE when it comes to women and maybe even when it comes to overall as well. Oscar gets the victory, walks out with a championship, and of course Bailey and Banks have to deal with each other. The fan poll, Oscar got 57% of the vote to Banks's 43. Graps the Rass put Oscar. I put Oscar as well, so it goes 4-2 point-wise. So like I said, 4-2 there. And we had on to the WWE Championship match, Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton. Well, as we head into the action, Scott delivered a top right clothesline, then downs the challenger with a future shock DDT. Orton avoided a flying McIntyre, dropped him with a snap power slam. The champion answered with a Glasgow kiss, clotheslined the Viper to the floor. With McIntyre down, Orton set up for a punt, but the champion caught with a powerbomb. McIntyre tried to the Claymore kick, but the challenger ducked out of the way. He tried for another KO, but the title holder counted with a backslide for a win. Now, a lot of people were unhappy that we didn't see a finish in this match, but I think to win a WWE match, or WWE title match, with a wrestling move is just pure deep genius, and you want to see those finishing moves used in future matches between the two. I mean, it was physical, intense, and exactly what you want from two heavyweights fighting for the top prize in the company. A great match and a string of them. Monday night and SummerSlam has been fantastic so far. Predictions on the poll, Orton and McIntyre was 50-50. There was no separating them either way. Grapsaras says, There was no contest between McIntyre and Orton because of retribution attacking, leading them to reveal themselves. That didn't happen. I went McIntyre. So I went 5-2 up as we head into our main event, the Falls Count Anywhere match for the Universal Championship. Now I was a bit surprised that uh, McIntyre didn't main event a pay-per-view. And if the retribution attack would have happened, then maybe so. But I feel like he's not main evented a pay-per-view since becoming WWE Champion. That needs to change. Hopefully maybe a, a payback or Knight of Champions. Who knows? Well, we've seen a lot in this match. The Fiend tried for the Mandible Claw, but Strowman fought out and sent him into the LED side of the ring apron. I mean, Strowman started strong in this one, breaking a toolbox over his back. The Fiend managed to retort a little bit, but the champion answered driving Wyatt through the timekeeper's position. 
The challenger rose to defeat only to be choked slammed to the announce table with spine cracking the edge of it. Again, he rose. And now we see Braun going for the cover on the outside, but I don't think that's going to get the job done. Well, poll-wise on this, we should say at this moment in time, Braun showing in 18%, The Fiend 82%, and uh, myself and Graps both went for The Fiend. And now Strowman has brought The Fiend back in. He's going to end him with a power slam. Referee counts, but can't get the job done. And you can see the cuts on Braun's head. And he can't believe it. And Braun with strikes. Maybe not coming squarely down on the face. As you see the Thunderdome in the background. And Strowman now looking around wondering what to do. And he's going back to his toolbox so to speak. Well literally. He's got more Stanley knife as we know it. And what's Strowman going to do with this? And Braun has to rip the ring apart. Moving away. Everything underneath. But the Fiend is up. And Urinagi right on the wood. Braun seems frustrated but the Fiend's got him. Sister Abigail, into the, no, not into the cover. The Fiend wants to dish out more punishment to Braun. And another Sister Abigail, face first onto the plywood. Fiend in the cover, one, two, three, and there you have it. Well, Braun Strowman held on a title since WrestleMania, but the Fiend was no match at all. Taking Braun down and becomes a new Universal Champion. Of course, the Fiend hasn't held it since Berg. Back in Saudi Arabia. And what a long time ago that seems now. Well, hurt or heal. The Fiend is champion. And what the hell is this? Roman Reigns is back. Reigns has returned. And he speared the Fiend. Huge right hands now. And I don't think he's finished there. Well, the Thunderdome can't believe it. We've been waiting for it. And now I think it has arrived. Now out of the ring. He's going to go after Braun. And a huge spear to Braun Strowman. And look at the attitude on Reigns. His t-shirt says, wreck everyone and leave. Reigns saying, I'm here. And what a statement from Roman. I don't think he's finished. He's got the chair. Oh, right down on the back of Braun. And again, a huge attack by Roman. And I don't think we've seen Reigns like this before. Oh my God, just dent in the chair. And you can feel the electric atmosphere and the shock from the Thunderdome. And Reigns looks like he's got a new set of teeth as well. As he focuses on the Fiend. And hits him with the spear. Roman Reigns is back. He's laid out the Fiend. He's laid out Strowman. And he's got his eyes on the Universal title. My God. Have we seen Roman like this before? He stands over the Fiend. I mean the Fiend won the title. But Roman Reigns is the man with a title in hand at this moment. Well we never saw it coming as Michael Cole says. True about that. As for SummerSlam, oh sorry, predictions first we should say. Both of us went The Fiend, like I said. So it ended 6-3 to me. So the first time getting challenging, and I did win. You see what happens when it's one-on-one, when it's a fair fight? Anyway, as for SummerSlam, I think a great show. Like we saw with TakeOver, two and a half hours, job done. This was three hours on a Sunday. And uh, really, really good stuff. Was the Rollins-Mysterio match a little bit long? Yes, but maybe they need to just tell it. For that little bit of story. McIntyre, Orton delivered in ring. Uh, Rose Deville was a great match. Bailey, Oscar and Banks. Oscar told a great story throughout the night. Uh, the only match really let down were the Raw Tag Team titles. Um, which is a little bit shame. And the main event wasn't as good. But like I said, you always want a shock. And Roman Reigns returning. I don't think you get any bigger than that. We also found out during SummerSlam that Keith Lee is on his way to Monday Night Raw as well and we said look now you know it's positive Reigns is back there's genuine excitement Keith Lee's on Raw it's a good thing 
But Gracker says, give us something better with retribution. Amish fan to see Roman back. They shouldn't just go right for the WWE title. I mean, what the fuck has he done to earn a shot? Have him face a couple of people first, then go after Bray. And then the champion, Del Alpha, said, I hope they move Roman to Raw, as I believe Wyatt can carry the SmackDown brand. I've got to say, match of the night for me, I've got to go Banks and Oscar. I just love the chemistry between these two women and the ending as well, I think was brilliant. Uh, my man of the night, I think it's got to be Roman Reigns returning and the way he did, just completely different. And uh, out of 10, I'm going to give it a 9. Uh, I think it was better than TakeOver, I'm not going to lie. And I think it was more enjoyable uh, because the kind of what we wanted. We know we've got new champions, we've got a shocking thing happening, and some great wrestling as well. As for the poll, uh, 21% said it was okay, 25% said good, and 27% each for great and awesome. I mean, Charlie Fight wasn't happening, said I'm disappointed with it to be truthful. I hate the ending, payback pay per just for Roman to become champion. But I think there was genuine excitement from SummerSlam, and that's a really hard thing from a WWE pay per view. Alright, so that was TakeOver and SummerSlam. We now move to wrestling since then and we start with monday night raw results in a little while but we'll do it now in the lead up to payback and we started raw off uh with drew mcintyre saying how well he'd done and how tough randy orton was but in fact mcintyre was the better man and all looked good for him as he headed up the ramp and held a title overhead only for Orton to attack him brawl spilled out into production center where orton delivered a sickening punt before producers and referee arrived in the scenes the second punt left the W champion lane as all looked on clearly proud of his actions. Now, we kind of knew there was going to be an attack and a couple of pumps taking McIntyre out was very, very interesting. We then had Sa- uh, Shania Basler versus Bailey. Nia Jax eventually got involved targeting Basler and drawing disqualification. The irresistible force dropped Basler with a hard right hand but quickly turned her attention to the Bailey and Banks. The Golden Roll models quickly found themselves hightailing up the ramp as Jackson Basler presented a united front. So here we go, we're getting the oddball tag team partners. Stephanie did say that Bailey and Banks would defend their tag team gold at payback and maybe it's going to be Shania Basler and Nia Jax. We had Alistair Black joining the Kevin Owens show. Black ordered the footage of his attack at the House of Murphy and Rollins to be aired. Owens was manipulating his rivals with mind games. Before Owens could continue, Black feigned a dizzy spell and then blasting with a big back elbow. He finished off with a black mask before stomping off his motivations on. Alistair Black is one of the most dangerous men in WWE. And that black mask kick could be sold as on a level to an RKO in that way. Where you can hit it from kind of any position. And it can come out of nowhere. And I think moving him on. I mean there was rumours that Owens were going to go face Seth Rollins. Next if Mysterio's contract hadn't been cleared up. Let's be glad that it's Alistair Black. And let's hope the story continues for those two men. Then we had Rand Orton. Talking about his brutal assault on WWE Champion Drew McIntyre. He started calling himself the best wrestler on the planet before Keith Lee's music played. And a limitless one interrupted making his Raw debut. Lee introduced himself and then with all due respect to McIntyre challenged Orton to a match right here, right now. Maybe later Orton faked him out before exiting the arena leaving the challenger hanging. Well Keith Lee looks like a major star right out of the gate by interrupting the Viper and issuing the challenge tonight's main event. And that's coupled with the promo package we saw on SummerSlam. A lot of people didn't like his outfit and a lot of people didn't like his music. But let's try and forget about that for a second. Just concentrate on what they're doing with Keith Lee. A bit like Jericho interrupting The Rock. Keith Lee interrupted 
arguably the biggest star, apart from McIntyre, of Raw is Randy Orton and challenged him and didn't look like a chump afterwards either. We had an arm wrestling match which Cruz cheated to win. We had Mickey James silencing Natalia and Lana, Keith Lee versus Randy Orton. And these two men worked quite well. Orton worked overly and set up for the RKO only for Drew McIntyre arrive and pull his rival out of the ring. No more contender escaped through the stadium and clearly hobbled WWE Champion to stare him down. We then had a lumberjack match for the Raw Women's Championship. Where Banks again trying to win off Oscar. Bailey attempted to just steal chair, but Basler cut her off. Back inside, Oscar tapped out Banks with the Oscar lock as Bailey watched on. And this was a little bit of a mess. And then we had Rey Mysterio and Dominic versus Seth Rollins and Murphy. And much like we had on SummerSlam, uh, they were trying to take down Dominic and try and build him up. The lights flickered and then retribution appeared. Ray tried to help his son out, but endured a beating at the hands of the Masked Invaders for his trouble, all while Rollins and Murphy watched on top from the entrance ramp. Two of the Masked villains sent Ray face first into the ring, first for positioning him alongside his son. Retribution stood on the ring apron to close out the show. So we still don't know what Retribution is about. We've seen him destroying, but they haven't got a meaning or a purpose at this moment in time. But I think Raw was quite enjoyable as well. I think it was good three hours of television. Move on to the August 26th edition of NXT and start the show with Breezango defeating Imperium to become the new tag team champions. Not a bad match, really. I mean, Eichel and Barthel are two really underrated guys in the tag team division. Um, we see Fandango making a much-needed tag to Breeze, who delivers super kicks left and right before tagging himself back in. Fandango putting away by hitting a double leg drop on opponents for a massive victory and it was a massive victory this is the first goal that Tyler Breeze or Fandango have held in WWE ever that shows how important it was and a great moment it's just a shame I know we had the rest of the slash fans in the arena but it would have been a massive moment if uh, fans was there as well we saw Tommaso Ciampa destroying Jake Atlas I mean the stretcher came down and that was really really bad Shotzi Blackheart defeated Mia Yim with unfortunately Robert Stone getting run over by a tank again. And William Regal announced a four-way Ironman match to determine the NXT champion. The biggest news from NXT, aside from new tag team champions, was the fact Karrion Cross had to relinquish the NXT championship. He had sustained an injury, much like we fought at TakeOver. And uh, the injury was too bad for him to carry on. So unfortunately, we've seen this with NXT before with the injuries that they get with Tommaso Ciampa uh, having to forfeit the title. And it's the same for Cross. It's going to be a shame, but let's hope he can start or be as hot when he comes back as he was at this point in time. And because of that, like I said, William Regal saying that uh, on the special edition on NXT on Super Tuesday, there will be a four-way 60-minute Ironman match to crown a new champ. There will be Finn Balor, Tommaso Ciampa, Adam Cole and Johnny Gagano. Also on NXT, we had the Cruiserweight Champion Santos Escobar defeating Azur Swerve Scott, thanks to putting a luchador mask on and the headbutt. I love the old uh, foreign object, or international object as it was. Kyle O'Reilly defeated Drake Maverick, and just when it looked like Killian Dane was going to be on this side, he dropped Maverick as well. Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez defeated NXT Women's Champion Io Shai and Rhea Ripley. I mean, I enjoyed some help from Mercedes Martinez, who, who ambushed Ray Ripley during the bout, leaving Neo Shai on her own momentarily. Ripley was weakened from Martinez's assault when she finally tagged in, and Gonzalez took advantage, dropping her with a blistering big boot and a massive slam to pin the former women's champion. 
Raquel Gonzalez's biggest victory to date. We also got some sad news as well. And uh, I'll read what it says on the uh, WWE.com website. WWE standard to learn that the bullet Bob Armstrong, a WWE Hall of Famer and patriarch of the legendary Armstrong wrestling family has passed away at the age of 80. Equal part strong man and showman Armstrong was born in Joseph James in Marietta, Georgia on October 3rd, 1939. Proved himself as one of the most tenacious grapplers on the planet during the territorial days of wrestling. He secured his tough man reputation long before he ever set foot in the ring thanks to his tour of duty in the US Marine Corps and his seven-year tenure as a member of the Fair Oaks later Cobb County Fire Department. Armstrong, however, didn't rest on his laurels when he was between the ropes. He handled himself well in the rough and tumble southeastern territories and applied an assortment of holes and moves, including his feared sleeper and Georgia jawbreaker. He also possessed the grit of grappling gab, giving him the uncanny ability to wear down a rival with his words as well as his strength. His chosen trade later became a family business as Armstrong's four sons, Joseph, a.k.a. Scott Armstrong, Brad, Steve and Brian, a.k.a. Road Dog Jesse James, followed in his father's footsteps. The Armstrong boys often found Dad's corner as Bullet Bob partnered with each of his sons at various points in his competitive career, which spanned over six decades. For his part, Armstrong offers to credit his beloved wife, Gail, the secret to his success. Upon being inducted into the W Hall of Fame in 2011, the self-proclaimed old war horse also made the case that his many triumphs likely benefited from divine intervention too. I think someone up there likes me, Armstrong said during his speech. I got to live my dream. You will be missed, Bullet Bob Armstrong. All right, move on to August 28th edition of SmackDown. We had Jeff Hardy versus Shinzuki fucking Nakamura for the Intercontinental Championship. Well, Hardy hurt his knee while hitting Whisper in the wind and it allowed Nakamura to recover, hit a sliding German suplex and a diving knee, knee for a near fall. Lilligma rebounded and used a twist of fate and Swanton Bomb to win and retain his title. Sami Zayn came out with his own IC title and claimed he was the rightful champion. He nailed Hardy with a hell of a kick while Styles watched with a smile. There is something about the combination of Hardy and Nakamura that just works. They don't have a similar style, but they have nothing coming to always put in good matches. Styles was more angry than usual on commentary, and there's a little odd Cesaro wasn't there to support his tag team partner, but hey, they might be breaking him up anyway. This is a good first hour of the SmackDown, especially with the return of Sami Zayn, who were fun to see an eventual title versus title match. We had Matt Riddle versus Chad Gable, and even me talking now is probably longer than... Um, the match was in itself. Riddle hit the bro Derek for the pin. And then Corbin got involved. Oh dear. We saw Jackson Basler reminding everyone how much they hate each other for saying they would still win the belts against the Golden Roll. Be made official for payback. Braun Strowman treated Drew Gulak like a jobber, which was just awful. We had Cesaro versus Kalisto, which again, they're not capable of putting on a bad match. They're fantastic, even with a few minutes in the ring. Nakamura was there to help out his tag team partner, which caused a distraction. And, of course, Cesaro rolled up Kalisto for the victory. We then get the Miz, John Morrison and Sheamus versus Big E and Heavy Machinery. We get some confusion over a tag. Sheamus ditched his team for the rest of the match. This allowed Tucker to make the hot tag to Big E. He came in at the same time as the Miz. Big E started throwing him around with belly-to-belly suplexes. He picked him up and ended it with the big ending. And then we get the story of Postman Pierce. After Zane gave a brief interview backstage with Caleb Braxton, White put on another episode of the Firefly Funhouse. He celebrated regaining the Universal title and said it was good to see Reigns back in WWE. The doorbell rang and Pierce arrived dressed like a postal worker. He looked confused and asked White to sign the contract. White acted like it was weird for Postman Pierce to be asking him instead of The Fiend, but White still signed the contract. 
Later in the show, Pierce was shown failing to get Reigns to answer the door to sign it. Even later, Gulak hit Braun Strowman with a chair and then tossed it to Pierce. Luckily for Scrap Daddy, Strowman knew it was Gulak and said he would sign the contract if he got a match with his attacker tonight. Pierce successfully forced him to sign the contract, but Man was unhappy when he returned without Reigns' signature. He told Pierce to knock his door if he had to. He eventually found a big dog and Reigns said he would need to read it for signing. When we checked back with him later, he signed it for really and he had Paul Heyman by his side. What a shock. Not only Roman Reigns coming back at SummerSlam, and he was saying it wasn't a prediction, it's a spoiler, he's going to win the Universal title at Payback with Paul Heyman by his side. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Paul Heyman. I love Roman Reigns. This will be a great, great connection, hopefully, and a partnership between the two. But why not have Heyman doing something during a Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns match to, to side with Reigns? I mean, yeah, he might want to keep Brock Lesnar as his client, but you've still got that story there. Why have Reigns, after all this time, finally sided with Heyman? Would we get any answers at payback? Well, it's time to find out. So August 28th, just a week. So August 30th, just a week after SummerSlam. Could a W pay-per-view work? Crazily, I think it did, but more on that uh, in a little bit. We got challenged with predictions by at Select Match Podcast. Uh, so we'll go through the predictions as we go along. And we started off with a kickoff show. The right squad versus the Iconics. Liv exploded into the match. A double stomp spot on Royce appeared to have injured the Aussie, who audibly fought, voiced her pain. Still, she partnered with Kay to deliver the deja vu, only for Morgan to break up the fall. The right squad uncorked her own double team finish to deliver the co-breaker right kick combo to Kay to win. I mean, this match was what it was. You know, maybe we weren't expecting much of it. But I think with the Iconics... They're leading to a split, whereas I feel with uh, the right squad just getting back together, I think it can work. Does it show WWE's maybe not long-term planning for it? I think it does a little bit, but again, I think a good way to start. Uh, so that match podcast went for the Iconics, and we went for a right squad, so we went 1-0 up. But like we said, payback has only just begun. Poll-wise on that, the right squad 66%. Of the vote over the Iconics, 34%. As we head into the main show. Started off with the United States Championship match. It was Apollo Crews defending against Bobby Lashley. Well, Crews momentarily grilled press the almighty for unloading two impressive German suplex. A frog splash followed, but Lashley still kicked out. Uh, the almighty created separation with a big spine bust and applied the full Nelson for the win. And the title after the match, Crews attacked him from behind, but was cleared out by the hills. I'm getting that title back, he explained, as he made his way up the ramp. I mean, it wasn't a bad match, not a bad way to start off SummerSlam. But I think the winner wasn't in doubt here because I think Cruz has had a, a good run of the US title. But personally, I want to see a heel turn and siding with the Hurt Business. And I think the Hurt Business need gold because they've been one of the hottest things on Raw recently. And I think it's the right thing. And uh, the poll suggests that as well, 61%. Uh, went for Bobby Lashley, 39% for Apollo Crews. Prediction-wise, low select match pod picked Crews. We went Lashley, so we went 2-0 up there. Our next match was Big E versus Sheamus. But we asked on Twitter, can Sheamus enter again? And our focus is on Big E, but the Irishman has so many ups and downs. Is he just start, stuck in mid-card mid-rockety? Mick Conley says, when we get rid of dressing him like Brad Pitt and Snatch and actually make him a serious character again... Yeah, DH says, Seamus beat years ago. They had the chance to capitalise him five, six years ago and they didn't do it. They just dropped him out to Reigns and that was it. WAN Wrestling said, I would love to see Seamus title run again. Public Lemony said, they're hilarious and atrociously botched his reboot and I want to say 2015. 
But he won money in bank and got cash in on Roman at Survivor Series. Yeah, this should have been his run, but he overshot a lot. He lost too soon. It was squashed short order at Mania by the ATGs. Sheamus is a lot better than people realise. Moving to Raw sometimes next year, let him regain the WWE Championship. Wakanda forever said he's never been good. Someone else's career is okay if you reverse it. He got a huge push to start his career. That should have been it. Nick Safety said, hopefully, yes, he can. He deserves it for sure. He's a hard one. And as I said, he's very underrated in the ring. Anyway, this was a really hard-hitting matchup. And um, he cut Big E's gyrations off and delivered an Alabama slam. Big E recovered and delivered a spear through the ropes, crashing to the floor with his opponent. Back in the ring, he sat for the big ending, but Sheamus slid out and applied a heel hook. The brave face finished delivered a jumping knee. Big E caught Sheamus with a powerbomb and finished him with a big ending for the win. A fired up Big E celebrated the win, approaching Corey Graves ringside saying, Preach to the people, I'm ready. And like I said, such a great hard-hitting matchup. Should it have been a pay-per-view match? Maybe not, but this is Big E's kind of big victory. Sheamus is a former champion, and I think we're seeing Sheamus maybe in one position and Big E passing him up on the other side. Prediction-wise, Big E got 83% of the vote for 17%. And Select Match Podcast got the first points of the night by selecting Biggie, so it went 3-1. Up next was Matt Riddle versus King Corbin. Every time Riddle tried to mount a sustainable offense, Corbin cut him off. Riddle finally allowed the kick that helped him mount a comeback. He scored a near four for running knee and shows a real intensity later. Undoubtedly, rest of Corbin's comments regarding his highly in the day. Although by an apparent rib injury suffered following one of Riddle's stiff kicks, Corbin still managed to put his opponent down with a deep six. However, Riddle caught Corbin with another kick to the midsection, fell him with a bro to sleep, and scored the win with a floating bro. It's annoying how many times I have to say bro in that. Matt Riddle is very, very good in ring, but I personally just grates at me. And again, I think as a heel works a lot better. But, you know, with Corbin here, if anybody's going to get booed against, you know, Corbin, then you're in trouble, I suppose. Not a bad match on the pole. Matt Riddle got 85% of the vote to Baron Corbin's 15%. And I'll say Select Match Podcast and myself both went for Matt Riddle in that one as well. So it's 4-2. Then we had the women's tag team title match. The Nia Jax versus the Golden Roll Models. Ba- Bailey wisely sent Basler into Jax knocking off the apron of potential injury in the knee. With Basler down, Jax wiped out the role model on the floor. And then Ragdoll banks into the guard rail multiple times. She went powerbomb, but the boss fought out of it and drove Jax face first into the mat. Bailey followed a top right elbow drop and banks with a frog splash. They backdropped Jax, but Basler entered legally. She applied a muter lock to Banks and a Carafugia clutch to Bailey at the same time. Using the boss's arm own advantage, the Queen of Spades forced a tap out for Bailey for the win and the titles. I mean, this wasn't really good match-wise. You've got the old ball partners there. This is more about the breakup between Bailey and Sasha Banks. And I think it worked in that way, you know, when we get Bailey tapping and Banks not having any championships, maybe being a little bit resentful. Of course, Baszler looked like an absolute killer. I mean, that submission was probably one of my favourite submission finishes that we've seen. As for the poll, 66% went for Jax and Baszler. Select match podcast on myself, both went Jax and Baszler as well. So it's 5-3. And yeah, that's right, I'm 5 for 5 at this moment in time. Up next was Keith Lee versus Randy Orton. Keith Lee faced the biggest test of his main roster career as he battled Randy Orton. Limitless one exercises power advantage, throwing the Viper out the ring and delivering onto the table after Orton had hit him one with his, of his own earlier. Always to let Orton caught Lee coming in with a kick to the chest and down with a draping DDT. 
The former XC double champion recovered, powered out of an RKO, and pinned Orton clean in the center of the ring with a spirit bomb. And that is how you create a star. Orton going for the W champion didn't matter because somehow Keith Lee managing to get the job done. It was one of those moments. I mean, I got out of my seat with it as well. It's fantastic. The, the raw emotion there of Lee getting a victory. Let's strap the rocket to his back. And let's send him on his way now to the main event. Now, let's create some new stars. Keith Lee has got it. And uh, it looks good at this moment in time. There's no doubt about that. Probably my favourite moment of the whole show. Prediction-wise, Keith Lee did edge out 54% to 46% on the pole. And Select Match Pod and myself both went for Keith Lee as well. So it's 6-4. And the co-main event, which is Rain Dominic Mysterio versus Seth Rollins... And Murphy. And this feud has been going a, a long, long time. And much like their match in Raw, they were trying to uh, work on Dominic throughout the match. And towards the end, Murphy broke up a two-count, only to eat a big DDT from Dominic. Rollins delivered the sling blade to the younger Mysterio, only to walk into a seat sent off for Ray. The Messiah recovered and caught Ray with a co-broker midair, then rocked him with a sidekick. Rollins then sent Mysterio into the barricade and set up a double-team manoeuvre with Murphy. The Aussie caught Rollins setting in motion a series that clued with Dominic, earning a win with a fog splash. I mean, this was a super fun tag team match and a very good one as well. It's only his second match. Dominic is getting better and better and I think the, the victory evened it out there as well. Team 619 on the pole got 75% to 25%. And Select Match Podcast and myself both went for the Mysterios as well. So it is 7-5 heading into our main event. I'm on for a perfect... Who have we gone for in this matchup? Well, pole-wise, the big dog... Got 74% of the vote. Monster Among Men, Braun Strowman, 4%. The Fiend, 22%. Uh, I went for Roman Reigns. Select Match Pod said, Why to retain after shenanigans? I do love shenanigans. We have not seen Roman Reigns yet. The match has been going for about 15 minutes. This, personally, much better than their SummerSlam match between these two guys as well. This is not Falls Count anywhere, though. So they have to get the victory in the ring. And now The Fiend's got Strowman up on the top. The turnbuckle, and they've done the ring collapse. The Fiend superplexes Sprawn. The ring breaks. Charles Robson goes flying over that top rope. Both men are down. And now we're going to get the big dog. Well, he's not signed his contract yet. Has Roman Reigns. And here he comes with a steel chair. I still can't get used to that sight. Paul Heyman next to Reigns, offering a contract to sign. And Reigns now on his way to the ring. And Heyman... So happy with this. And here comes Roman now surveilling the damage. There's a new referee now. As Reigns going for the cover. But can't get the Fiend or Braun down. Maybe his opportunity is going to turn into a nightmare in a minute. If he can't get it done. Like a cash in than it is anything else. And now Roman with a chair on Braun. Just wearing him out. Going for the cover. But no. Braun will not be beaten. And Roman getting more and more. Fr- well now Reigns. Not sure what to do. Looking on at Heyman. And you've got to think with Roman. That he will do anything to be champion. As he goes for the chair. The Fiend catches him. Manable claw. Low blow though. Sends the Fiend out of the ring. Oh, and that was close there. And Braun slowly gets to his feet. The Fiend down. I think the Ro- Roman see- looks at his opportunity. And sees it in front of him. Braun gets to his feet. And here comes Roman Reigns. Spear. Into the cover. One. Two. Three. And Roman Reigns is the new Universal Champion. Unbelievable stuff. Coming in 
after the match was nearly over with a ring collapse. You can see Heyman there, smirking with a contract in hand. Reigns become the champion, pinning Braun Strowman. The Fiend's reign lasted a week, but Roman said it wasn't a prediction. It was a spoiler that he would be Universal Champion. He's done it here tonight at Payback. Well, we look back at Payback now, and I mean, I tell you what, what a result that was. If we look back at Match of the Night, Actually, before we do that, let's just do predictions. Select match pod went shenanigans. I went Roman Reigns. That's right. Perfect score. So it ended 8-5 to the WNR. So 2-1 overall out of the three that we did. And as Meatloaf said, two out of three ain't bad. As for payback itself, do you know what? It's a solid show. And a week after SummerSlam, wasn't expecting much. And it actually delivered. It was fun in parts as well. So I'm going to give that a solid eight and a half. Out of 10, man of the night, I think it's got to be Roman Reigns, doesn't it? Universal champion yet again. What happens to Braun now is an open-ended question. I think the same with The Fiend. We're going to see The Fiend and Reigns feud, and Braun will probably turn back to the dark side. Match of the night, it's difficult. I'm going to pick Keith Lee, Randy Orton. It wasn't maybe the best match, but for the result in itself, I think that's why it gets match of the night for me. And how did you rate payback? Well, 21% said it was okay, 11% said awesome, and 34% said good and great. So it's between good and great. So not bad for a pay for you that happened just a week after SummerSlam. And we'd just like to thank Select Match Podcast as well for uh, taking part in the predictions, and we would like to fight you again one day. Well, there weren't really any slow points. Lashley and Lee had huge nights. The women's tag team could be fun. Everyone tried hard and the main event delivered. So all in all, not too bad. We now go to the raw results for August 31st, the night after payback. We had Keith Lee versus Dolph Ziggler. There's only going to be put in a match with Ziggler, uh, with Keith Lee, so it will be Ziggler who sells brilliantly anyway. And the pounce was one of the things that we saw. And uh, he beat Ziggler with a spirit bomb. And he earned a spot in the number one contendership triple threat match later on in the night. Oscar was looking for a new challenge. It looked like Mickey James might answer that. Calls reminiscent of their takeover matches before. Randy Orton versus Kevin Owens was the next qualifier match. Uh, and this was quite interesting because Alistair Black attacking Kevin Owens from behind and throwing him in the ring in the way of an RKO. That's, that's, that's no problem because you carry on the story there with uh, Alistair Black and Kevin Owens. We had number one contendership loser disbands, the Iconics versus the Riot Squad. And uh, the Iconics playing backstage they had worked together forever. They would never break up, especially against a makeshift team. The truth was a nightmare for Peyton Royce and Billy Kay. Morgan took out Royce, leaving Riot to Spice K with roll up for free. The Iconics threw a fit after the match. Um, do you know what? This is quite a surprise because the Iconics are very over. But apparently, rumour has it, they're quite high on Peyton Royce. We then had Seth Rollins versus Dominic. Mysterio in a number one contendership match. The modern Lampasai clearly had the advantage throughout his contest, but Dominic fought back with a far committed underdog. In the end, he was just outmatched, and Rollins hit the stomp for the win. And in the main event, number one contendership, Randy Orton versus Keith Lee versus Rollins. Randy Orton and Seth Rollins looked ready to work together until the Viper refused to get his hands dirty early. The Hills eventually realised they can only take Lee down together, managed to wear him out by slamming onto the announce table and through the still stairs. Limitless one refused to be denied. Lowry threw the Viper across the ringside area. They focused on the Messiah. Lee turned the stomp into a spirit bomb and he'd take a surprise RKO. Orton chose to pin Rollins over Lee to take the win. 
you know, these three guys have been killing it recently. You know, when you talk about what Seth Rollins has been doing, Monday Night Messiah, Randy Orton's heel work, and of course Keith on NXT, and, and the three of them paired really well. You saved Lee from the pinfall loss, which makes sense. You've got Randy Orton versus McIntyre coming up now, probably at Clash of Champions. The only thing is, what does Keith Lee do now, and who does he face? He needs another challenge. Will that be Seth Rollins after he's moved on from um, Mysterio? I think that's maybe a good shout. You know, Mysterio looks like he might have suffered an injury, but only should be out a couple of months. You give that a little bit of a rest, and you go forward with another story in that. All in all, I thought Raw wasn't too bad this week. There was a bit of news story as well about Brock Lesnar. Apparently, Brock Lesnar's contract has expired from um, WWE. I mean, these two, you know, have an agreement for a certain amount of time anyway. So it's not that surprising. Well, it is surprising that WWE Shop apparently has taken all Brock Lesnar's merchandise off there. And with Paul Heyman team with Roman Reigns, do WWE really need Brock Lesnar? And I think at this moment in time, I think it's a very good question. I don't really think you, you need that there, you know. And then finally, we go on to the September 1st edition of NXT, or as it was known as uh, Super Tuesday course with the, the main event we knew we had the street fight Legala del fantasma versus Breezango and so got i mean this was brilliant it's very rare any wwe show starts this hot but it was front and center so we've lost a good match against Esquire last week this best for cruiserweight this rivalry is not over uh while it got messy and appearance interference was unnecessary it was an electric opener anyway Breezango cleared the ring up Scott to hit the JML drive on Esquire to win the six-man street fight. We had Candice Rage meeting Casey Cantazaro in a squash match. Timmy Thatcher versus Bronson Reed. We saw Austin Theory getting involved, distracting Reed, leading Thatcher to get the submission win. And then the NXT Championship Ironman match. Balor, Champa, Goal, Cole and Gagano. It took 25 minutes for the first fall when Finn Balor connected with a coup de grace on Cole. Chumper caught Balor with a fairy tale ending, but the Rebel Heart stole a pinfall on the Prince to take it. The Unspeaked Era leader got his fall after connecting with a Panama Sunrise on Gagano. Bloody even it up, planting Cole with a fairy tale ending, leaving everyone at one fall apiece. All four men stood back up, ready to start again. Chumper and Balor took the ring while Gagano Cole fought outside. One minute was left on the clock with no additional falls in the contest. Balor planted Gagano with a top row over the shoulder back to Belly Piledriver and they caught the Black Heart with a coup de grace to get another fall. Cole ran in with a last shot to get a final fall as time expired. General Manager William Regal announced that next week Balor and Cole will face one-on-one to crown a new NXT champion. Bait and switch. Bait and switch. A lot of people have complained. Why would you set up a match like that? if it was going to end in that way. And I think that is a fair point. Uh, but, of course, next week now on NXT, we'll find out who the new NXT champion is. Will it be Finn Balor? Will it be Tommaso Ciampa? We asked you, and a resounding voice going back to us, is Finn Balor. All right, so that is nearly it now. But don't worry, dear listener, because I might be alone today, but I won't be alone for too long. We have got three fantastic guests lined up. and um, I can happily say that Unimatrix Gaming will be here this weekend coming where we get a little bit retro and we're going to bring out the N64 and a PS2 and play two of the greatest wrestling games ever No Mercy and Here Comes the Pain but until then that is it don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at the WNR Podcast we're also on Facebook the WNR Podcast and Instagram across all the Google platforms send us an email the WNR Podcast at gmail.com, YouTube, the Domino Podcast, we have all the latest clips and podcasts go at the same time, and you do SoundCloud on your phone. 
Also, Stitcher and iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. So that is it. Like I say, Unimatrix Gaming joining us next. But we should say our follower of the week is none other than at Augustin Sanchez 4 or Augustin Sanchez. You are the Dobbiner follower week. And like I say, special shout out to at Select Match Pod for the predictions. And of course, Graps of Rass. And next up is at Unimatrix Gaming. Until then, I've been James Rodens. Thanks for listening, everybody. And bye.